0: I need birthday singers! Come on, people, we need birthday singers! <laughs> Happy birthday! That is my birthday. Yes, it is my birthday. There's someone in my house eating my birthday cake, and it's not me. That is my 100th <laughs> <100 laughs> <laughs> birthday! Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> no such <subspan. laughs> thing. It's my birthday, too. Don't Don't do mean that, okay? Happy birthday to you! Hello everybody and welcome to Happy Movie Birthdays, my little podcast that celebrates movies on the anniversary of their release. It's a brand new Twitter account, so be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Days. My name is Nathan Ulig, of course. I will be your host and boy howdy, we got a double feature for you today. I I love discovering when two films that are usually completely different from one another, because that makes sense. You don't want to have competing, very similar films opening at the same time. But when two movies that are completely different and have made a lasting legacy throughout the years ended up actually releasing on the exact same day, I always find that kind of fascinating. For example, did you know that The Matrix and Ten Things I Hate About You opened up on the exact same day? Uh, Unfortunately, I couldn't make an episode about it because I hadn't started doing my podcast yet. But, anywho, today we are celebrating two amazing and very different movies that opened on the same day. Yes, a happy movie birthday, birthdays to The Muppet Movie and Alien, both of which turn 40 years old today. Uh, let's start off with The Muppet Movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm Stetler. I'm Waldorf. We're here to heckle a Muppet movie. Gentlemen, that's straight ahead. Private screening room D. Private screening? Yeah, they're afraid to show it in public. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, look at this place. Yeah. What a dump! A bunch of weirdos around here. Look at them. Released in the U.S. on June 22, 1979, The Muppet Movie is directed by James Frawley. I think I'm pronouncing that correct. It stars Jim Henson, of course, uh, Frank Oz, You know, probably the two most famous puppeteers to have ever lived. And there are a ton of A-list cameos in this movie as well. Charles Durning plays uh, kind of the main villain. There's Milton Berle, Mel Brooks, James Coburn, Dom DeLuise, Elliot Gould, Bob Hope, uh, Madeline Kahn, Cloris Leachman, Carol Kane, Steve Martin... Richard Pryor, Telly Savalas, Orson Welles, I mean, the list uh, just goes on and on and on. Now, of course, Jim Henson created The Muppets and The Muppet Show and Sesame Street and all these just great American institutions of pop culture that we still enjoy to this very day. It really shows just how long-lasting and, and flat-out great and memorable The Muppets are. And the Muppet movie came out right at the height of Muppet's popularity. So the film is basically the story of how all these beloved characters kind of came together. Kermit the Frog gets discovered by an agent and decides to go to Hollywood for his big break. And it's a cross-country road picture where he gets in wacky adventures and meets all of these now well-known Muppet friends along the way. But seriously, there's a boat dock just downstream. Thank you. Just watch out for the alligators. I will. Alligators. That's right. Did you say alligators? Read my lips. Alligators. It's just that I'm not used to alligators where I come from, see. I'm an agent. I I winged in from Hollywood. Hollywood? That's right. Did you say Hollywood? Read my lips. Hollywood. You know, Hollywood, the dream factory. The magic store hey don't you ever go to the movies oh sure there's a double feature in town every saturday wait a minute where? wait a minute where? there's an ad in here that you should be very interested in feast your eyes on that uh worldwide studios announces open auditions for frogs wishing to become rich and famous well thanks anyway but i'm really pretty happy where i am oh Oh, if I were you, I would give this audition very careful consideration. You've got talent, kid. Now, I am not a big Muppet scholar or, you know, aficionado. I've always liked the Muppets, the Muppet show especially, growing up with Sesame Street, of course, seeing all the movies. Uh, but I'm not well-versed in the history, so I had to do a, a little bit of research for this particular film. And the film itself is really... an written as an allegory for Jim Henson's own kind of rise to fame. Henson really wanted to direct the film but it was pretty clear that taking on directing while also having to do so much of the puppeteering himself and figuring out all these new puppeteering techniques it would just be too big of a burden for him to take on so they brought on director James Frawley who was mainly known as a television director but had done a few movies most prominently Paper Moon which was a big hit and it was actually kind of told and revealed later on that he didn't really like making the movie and didn't get along with a lot of the puppeteers doing it which is too bad it's kind of sad to hear that such a fun bright movie like that the director ended up not really liking the experience. But still the movie turned out so great also because they were doing things never tried before with puppeteering that opening sequence with kermit playing the banjo jim henson is hiding inside of a giant steel drum inside the actual swamp in order to work kermit it's yeah that's crazy a lot of new techniques were used to have muppets look like they were driving cars Uh, kermit and Fozzie dancing on their own Uh, But I think the most visually interesting and memorable is, of course, Kermit the Frog riding a bike. He's riding a damn bike, and it looks real. And it's incredible that they're able to create. Uh, Please, sir, Uh, my name is Kermit the Frog, and, and we read your ad, and, well, we've come to be rich and famous. It's Tracy. Prepare the standard rich and famous contract for Kermit the Frog and company. closing of the film, the the kind of reprise of the Rainbow Connection song, which is an incredible song, definitely the most famous song to come out of the movie, but it has a great soundtrack overall, but Rainbow Connection is definitely the big hitter. During this ending where they do the song again, it features a crowd of more than 250 Muppet characters. Pretty much every Muppet that had been created up to that point was all on screen together in real time, there were 137 puppeteers enlisted from the uh, Puppeteers of America to perform alongside the regular Muppet performers to, you know, bring to life every single Muppet. And, you know, crazy enough, it all just took one day, which is insane. (laughs) So 150 puppeteers in a six-foot-deep, 17-foot-wide pit. They were recruited through uh, the Los Angeles Guild of Puppeteers of America. So pretty much every puppeteer west of the Rockies all kind of flocked to L.A. to be able to create this. And it really is amazing to look at. Life's like a moon. Write your own ending Keep believing Keep pretending We've done just what we've set out to do Thanks to the lovers Going from one movie with crazy-looking creatures, we go to another movie with a much uglier-looking creature. But be careful, because this one will eat your damn brains. It's, of course, Alien. Uh, am am I Claire Lambert? I want to get the hell out of here. Oh, God, it's moving right towards you. Uh... You move. Dallas! Dallas! No, Dallas? No. easy. Dallas? You found this laying there. No blood. No Dallas. Nothing. Also released in the U.S. on June 22, 1979, Alien is directed by Ridley Scott, stars Sigourney Weaver, Tom Skerritt, John Hurt, Veronica Cartwright, Ian Holm, Harry Dean Stanton, and Yafik Kotto. It has gone down as one of the greatest horror films, It's gone down as one of the greatest sci-fi films and has gone down as one of the greatest sci-fi horror films, if not the greatest. It meshes the two genres so perfectly. It's essentially a slasher movie set in space. It's the future, an interstellar cargo crew comes across a distress signal, they investigate, they unwittingly bring aboard a killer alien creature that proceeds to pick them off one by one. I don't want to hear anybody say nothing I'm this thinking place. unless somebody has got a better idea we'll proceed with Dallas's plan what and then don't blame the others <laughs> no you're out of your mind you got a better idea yes I said that we abandoned the ship now that premise alone you hear it and it could very easily become a cheesy cheap-looking, just crappy B-movie horror flick, but because it just happens to be directed by Ridley Scott, he really makes it something special. It looks amazing, it's shot incredibly well, the pacing is perfect, but I think that I think the best part of the movie is, by far, the acting and they, the way they have the actors play out the scenes. It, it feels almost improvised, everyone in it is just so natural. And so different to how movies like this are usually done. It honestly feels like real people are having real conversations and not just actors reciting lines. Now, of course, that's the goal of every movie for the acting not to stand out like actors, but I don't know, something about Alien gets it done just so perfectly. Well, some of you may have figured out we're not home yet, we're only halfway there what mothers interrupted the course of our journey what yeah she's programmed to do that should certain conditions arise they have like what seems she has uh, intercepted a transmission of unknown origin she got us up to check it out a transmission out here yeah what kind of a transmission acoustical beacon that uh, repeats at intervals of 12 seconds SOS I don't know human so what? <laughs> we are obligated on section. I to hate to bring this know. up, but uh, this is a commercial ship, not a rescue ship. Right. And it's not my contract to do this kind of duty. And what about the money? If you want to give me some money to do, I'd be happy to, uh, you know, watch. Let's go over the bonus situation. We've never I can, we can we just talk just about the some, bonus uh, situation? Sorry, can I say something? Let's talk about the bonus situation. There is a clause in the contract which specifically states any systematized transmission indicating a possible intelligent origin must be investigated. I want to hear it. No, we don't know that's it's intelligent. I want yeah. to go home and party. Paco, will you just listen to the man? On penalty of total forfeiture of shares, money. You got that? <laughs> well, yeah. All right, we're going in. Yeah, we're going in. And of course, we can't talk about Alien without talking about The Alien. It's famously designed by H.R. Geiger, who's a famous artist known for his really dark, creepy, often sexual designs. Another great decision made by Ridley Scott to bring on someone to design these things that you've never really seen in film before. It's such an interesting and ultimately perfect choice. Of course, the creation of the alien in terms of the story is great as well, starting out as a thing in an egg, latches onto your face, impregnates you, and eventually popping out and grows to full size and eats anything in its way. The movie perfectly explains the rules of the movie and how the characters need to you know, adapt to survive. It's perfectly done. I mean, the alien itself, you know, the full-grown one, only has about like five minutes of actual screen time, it doesn't show up until an hour into the movie, so it really shows what kind of an impact it makes, utilizing kind of the same technique as Jaws where, you know, you show the monster or the shark, you know, very sparingly and it has such a better impact. And also Ridley Scott shoots it so well, if you see like behind the scenes footage of the guy in the suit. It's very clearly just a guy in a suit, and if not done properly, it would have looked just absolutely ridiculous and cheesy. But Scott knew this and made sure to direct accordingly so as not to, you know, take people out of the movie. It's just a brilliant job. Of course, Scott made sure nobody in the cast knew what the alien looked like so they would give, you know, real reactions on screen to seeing it for the first time and he does a lot of cool tricks in the film to make all kinds of things stand out, like the alien spacecraft that they explore and get into. Of course, they couldn't build it as big as they wanted to because it would have cost way too much money. (laughs) So they built the set and then Ridley Scott had his kids in kid-sized spacesuits to walk around inside of it to make the set seem twice as big than it really was. I mean, when you can't just CGI, copy and paste stuff you know, into a movie, you got to think of, you know, fun ideas like that to get the effects that you need. Bring back life form. Priority one. All other priorities rescinded. There's a damn company. What about our lives, you son of a bitch? I repeat, all other priorities are rescinded. How do we kill it, Ash? There's got to be a way of killing it. How... How do we do it? You can't. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Its structural perfection is matched only by its hostility. You admire it. I admire its purity. A survivor. Unclodded by conscience, remorse, or delusions of morality. Look, I've heard enough of this, and I'm asking you to pull the plug. Last word. What? I can't lie to you about your chances, but you have my sympathies. Another little fun fact I just found out uh, today, doing a little research, turns out the Captain Dallas character was originally offered to Harrison Ford, but he turned it down. I'm glad he didn't take it, because having a big star like that could really take you out of the movie. It's better to have an ensemble cast of great character actors. But I love hearing things like that and imagining what the movie would have been like, you know, starring other people. Speaking of Captain Dallas, there's a great deleted scene whereas Sigourney Weaver is escaping the ship. She comes across the alien's nest, I guess is what you call it, or something like that, where it's keeping the bodies of its victims, and Dallas is still there alive, you know, begging for death. It's so creepy and cool. I always watch the director's cut of Alien whenever I want to watch it. I love some of the stuff that they cut out and eventually put back in, you know, stuff like Veronica Cartwright slap-fighting Sigourney Weaver because she's so angry at her, just a, a bunch of little scenes like that that they put back in that I think really help out the movie and flesh it out more. If you haven't seen the director's cut, definitely check it out the next time you want to watch it. Of course, Alien was a huge success, spawned an entire franchise for 20th Century Fox which is still going on to this day, although it's now that at the time of recording this, Disney just very recently bought out Fox so it's gonna have to see what exactly they do with their 20th Century Fox much more adult themed franchises you know eh, it's, it's interesting the franchise has been going on till just a couple of years ago was the most recent one and Ridley Scott just still directed a couple of them uh, but you know what we're not going to talk about those at least not just yet because holy crap I would have lots to say in this episode about some of those other installments this episode go on for about five hours so yeah not going to do that today today We are celebrating two great classic films that, again, just happened to fall on the exact same day. What an amazing day to have gone to the movies. Happy 40th movie birthday to The Muppet Movie and Alien. This has been Happy Movie Birthdays. The show is conceived, written, produced, and hosted by me, Nathan Ulick. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email me at happymoviebirthdays at gmail.com or follow the show on Twitter at happymoviebdays. days. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening.